When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 402 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is an off day for the San Diego Padres, but there's still some stuff to talk about. Obviously, tomorrow, the San Diego Padres, they kick off their nine-game road trip in Washington against the Washington Nationals. There's going to be some familiar faces on that national team, and we're going to discuss some of those familiar faces on this show today. How are they doing? How are these former Padres doing since the Juan Soto trade? I just wanted to take a look back at that deal. Um, How has it worked out for both sides? Obviously, the winner of this trade, I don't think, has been determined yet. That's going to be based on postseason results for the Padres and how the development goes with the Nationals players. But before this series, I think it's still going to be a fun exercise to just go through how some of these former Padres are doing in this farm system for the Nationals. And then there's a couple of guys that are at the big league level for the Washington Nationals. Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams. Uh, So it's going to be a fun show. And then after we talk about that, and I can go through the chat, and if anyone wants to join the show, you can click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat and just click that. Want to give your thoughts on the Padres, feel free. I always leave that link there for Padres fans to come in and talk about the team we all love, obviously. Uh, After that happens, then I'm going to play an interview that I just had, actually, 
with Tony Sanchez, who is with two balls and a mic, just San Diego sports conversation between two San Diego soccer fans. Uh, so we will get to that. Uh, but first, obviously, getting to this Padres Nationals conversation here. Um, just getting some people in here into the live stream, into the live chat. While we do that, code talking for hours, just a reminder on SeatGeek, $20 off your order. You can click that link in the description on breaking for breaking tea, breakingtea.com for some great San Diego sports shirts and sweatshirts, Wave, Aztecs, Padres, uh, Gaglione Brothers. I'll tell you more about them, obviously, later in the show. And then Underdog Fantasy, the same as well. Um, so let's get started here. So obviously, what happened August 2nd of 2022, the San Diego Padres, they made that trade with the Washington Nationals. Padres acquired Juan Soto and Josh Bell. The Washington Nationals, they acquired Luke Voigt, Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, Robert Hassel III, James Wood, Yarlan Susanna. I mean, they got a huge prospect haul in that Juan Soto deal. And that was expected. Like Juan Soto, he had not been hitting like Juan Soto going into that trade deadline, but he had not been as bad as he has been um, at points with the San Diego Padres. So the value was still high. Three pennant races of control, like the Padres were going to have to give up a lot. And they sure did, looking at the Nationals farm system earlier today. I think three of their top six prospects are from that Juan Soto deal. So three of their top six were Padres prospects. Um, so the Nationals, they're going to have some really good young talent coming up here pretty, pretty soon. Um, just looking back on that, so... 2022, Luke Voigt, I mean, that sucked for him, right? Eric Hosmer, he denied the trade, which is his right, but he denied the trade. Voigt ends up getting traded to a team that is not in contention, and obviously I don't think he was very happy there. I don't think he was happy with the trade. Mackenzie Gore wasn't either, and I'm sure a lot of these guys weren't happy. Like, they wanted to be with the Padres, but I'm sure they've they've gotten – over it a little, at least a little bit um, since then. Voight, you know, he's a veteran that that's like a lost year. That's a lost World Series chance because he got traded because another player said no um, to the trade. You know, that, that's just what happened. Uh, so Voight finished off that year and now he's with Milwaukee. Um, Soto in 2022, underwhelming, I would say, right, for, for Padres fans, 236 average six home runs, a sub 400 on base percentage. Josh Bell, I think, was underwhelming as well in the regular season. I know he didn't get as much um, talked about, if that makes sense. Like, he wasn't talked about as much as Juan Soto, obviously, because he's not Juan Soto. But, I mean, he hit 192 in the regular season. He had some postseason moments, for sure, and we're going to remember that, and I'm definitely thankful for that. But he underwhelmed a little bit in the regular season as well. 192 average, 587 OPS, 587, not even at 600. Like a good OPS is 800. So he was not there. It just wasn't right with the Padres there in the regular season. 73 OPS plus. Um, so yeah, the, the trade in 2022, the Nationals won it in 2022. Because yeah, the Padres, they got to the NLCS, but... They made that trade to go win the World Series, right? 
They acquired Josh Bell. Yeah, they made a run, but you make that deal to go win the World Series, and they didn't do that. I, I, look, at the end of last year, like it was a disappointing ending, but I said it was a successful season because of the steps that they made. They beat the Dodgers. They got to the NLCS, a spot they hadn't been in since 1998. Like, so yeah, it was a successful season, but this trade, all of the, the prospects that AJ dealt here, you make that move to win the World Series. If you don't do it, then the Nationals win the trade. That's just what it is. And for 2022, I think the Nationals won it. Now, if the Padres win the World Series with Juan Soto on the team in the next couple of years, if he before he hits for agency, or if they extend him and they can win a World Series in the 15 or whatever, however many years he's going to be here, then the Padres win the trade, I think. Um, unless the Nationals like win a World Series and then now we have to measure, okay, how many World Series did the Padres win? versus the Nationals with the players that were involved in the trades. But if the Padres win the World Series once with Juan Soto, it is a success. Like, it just is. Uh, but that has not happened yet. Um, Juan Soto so far this year, a 248 average, an 871 OPS, 21 runs driven in. His first 26 games, you know, the OPS 871, like I just said, but it was not great the first 26 games. A 178 batting average, a 684 OPS like that, you know, pulling off of balls, right? Just not the Juan Soto that we're used to, or at least baseball fans were used to seeing when he was with Washington, when he was spraying balls to the opposite field. You're just not seeing as much of that with the Padres. And maybe that's with Soto pressing. And I'm sure some of that is Soto pressing. I mean, Bob Melman has admitted that, that the players, yeah, they're pressing. Soto denied that, what, $440 million contract. So, he has pressure on him to continue playing really well these next couple of years to go get or to to earn the $500 million contract because right now he has not earned that $500 million contract. There's work to be done there for sure. Uh, so hopefully that turns around. So just what I'm saying overall, like right now the trade hasn't played out the way the Padres probably would have hoped, but there's still a lot of time here to turn that around and obviously two postseason runs at least right with Soto there's still time to turn this around and make this a win for AJ Preller and the San Diego Padres now with the national side of things Mackenzie Gore CJ Abrams Robert House III James Wood Yonah Susanna how have they been doing I just wanted to give some updates here and then I'll go to the chat um, anyone wants to join and give their thoughts like uh, your thoughts on the trade when it happened did you like it i think we all did and i think that's pretty much how we have to judge it like it's easy to judge the trade in hindsight and i don't even want to do that really because again the the whole book on this trade has not been the, the whole chapter right has not been written because soto's time with the padres is not up you know um obviously a lot of the nationals guys have not even made it to the big leagues yet so we won't even know how they're going to be um but so, so today it's just really like a look back on it. Like right now, I still like the trade. I liked it at the time. I still like the trade. Like I want, I like the Padres going out and going big and trying to win it all, like going all out. Like this is what we want, right? We, you know, it's been disappointing this season, right? So far, but 
we want to have the pressure on the Padres, right? Because that means that they have the expectations and they have a talented team on paper. That's what we have wanted as Padres fans. And now we're going to, we are getting that and we're going to continue to get that for years to come. Right. Um, so Mackenzie Gore, 2022 left elbow inflammation. Obviously he had a good start to 2022, I thought, but then the injury happened, did not pitch for the Washington Nationals in 2022, but he was ready to go for 2023. Uh, and he had a, th- so far, he has a 3.69 ERA, a 3.68 FIP. So it's pretty much the same. And it's not like he's getting lucky or unlucky. Uh, he's 24 years old, obviously. Four more years of control beyond this season that the Washington Nationals will have of Mackenzie Gore, unless he signs an extension or something. I think. Nationals fans, they've been pretty encouraged by what they've seen out of Mackenzie Gore. I'm not obviously in Washington or have a a strong pulse on Nats, you know, the Nats fans. But just looking at the numbers, like there's been some strong outings from Mackenzie. There's been some times where he's walked some guy, walked more guys than he would have wanted. Uh, But I think we all knew, like, when this trade happened, like, yeah, losing Mackenzie, that sucks because it would be great to have a young starter in this rotation when there's a lot of vets, right? You know, Waka, Lugo, Musgrove, Darvish, Snell, not all these guys are going to be here. We're not going to be able to count on all these guys being in this rotation for years and years to come, and Gore could have been that guy. But I was okay with having Gore go because you're getting Juan Soto back in return. He's one of the best going into this trade, right? one of the best hitters on the planet, and he, I, he he still is one of the best hitting talents in the world, in my opinion. And the numbers still back that up when you look at the, the big sample size and that sample size of, like, his career in Major League Baseball so far. Um, so I, I'm still going to believe in Soto. It's been frustrating, but I, I'm still going to believe in him. But, yeah, obviously rooting for McKenzie to do well except for tomorrow. In game one of the series, he's going to be facing off uh, facing off against you, Darvish. The Soto-Gore matchup will be interesting, obviously. The Tatis-Gore matchup will be interesting. Uh, first pitch tomorrow at 4.05. The second game of the series on Wednesday, that's at 4.05. And then Thursday, the series finale, Snell against Jake Urban. That is at 1.05 Pacific time. Before the Padres head to the Bronx to face off against the New York Yankees. Uh, C.J. Abrams, 2022, after he was traded from the Padres, a 258 average with the Nationals, 603 OPS. He's hitting, I think, at the bottom of the order right now with the Washington Nationals. The Nationals, what they want is him to end up being the top of the order, like leadoff guy. And I think if you ask Padres fans, like that's what we wanted out of C.J. Abrams as well, right? Like he was going to be hitting down in the order for now uh but you maybe wanted Tatis to hit third or second Abrams with the speed like that would have been a good leadoff bat he's a left-handed bat you know I would have liked that uh, if Abrams would have stayed now I love having Xander Bogarts on this team so that signing I think lessened the blow of losing CJ also you know CJ there were some things where it was like okay he got stronger, but he wasn't going to be a power hitter. 
And the defense was a little shaky. And I was listening to John and Jim, Mark Zuckerman, uh, I believe works for Masson, uh, who uh, is the TV broadcast for the Nationals. And he was talking about how, yeah, CJ, there's been some mistakes. There's been some flashy plays. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's kind of what we saw with CJ Abrams. So there's probably still some development to go there, but he's still really young. And I think that he can be an impact player for the Nationals. Like, it sucked losing CJ. I think for me, on on the suck meter, if that makes sense, uh, you know, if, if we're ranking Gore and Abrams, like Gore, I think, sucked to lose more than Abrams, for me at least. That's for sure. Uh, Robert Hassel III, he's a guy that it, it sucked to lose um, as well. You know, one of the top prospects, 250 average so far this year. 746 OPS, a home run, which isn't a whole lot, but Hassel, you know, he still has, I think, some room to grow into that body as well. Uh, he is in high A right now, uh, or excuse me, he's in double A. James Wood is in high A. Hassel, he started in single A, it looks like, and now he's in double A with the Nationals. He started with that wrist injury this year, so he, he had that setback. But he has recovered from that since then. He is the Nationals' number two prospect in their system. Um, his expected arrival time to the big leagues is 2024. So maybe we'll see Hassel face off against the Padres at some point next year. Um, you know, with the Padres and Hassel, if he were to stay in that organization and the Soto deal didn't happen, where would he fit into their plans? I think we might've been looking at him replacing Trent Grisham in center field at some point next year, you know, being that center fielder with maybe they signed Bogart still and Tatis would have been in right. Maybe they would have just had Tatis play center with Hassel and right. Um, and James would come up at some point, like that would have been a pretty intriguing outfield, but Padres are trying to win right now. Look, we have Tatis and Soto in the outfield right now. Center field situation could be better, but defensively it's good, but offensively, obviously it's not that great. Tatis Soto. I'm not going to complain. A lot of fan bases would love to have that outfield, but it would have been interesting to see how a hassle, maybe Tatis, if he would have been the outfield and would outfield would have looked with the Padres if they would have signed Bogarts and he would have been at short allowing Tatis to be in the outfield, but maybe we'll We'll probably get to see how that Hasselwood outfield will look like, not with San Diego, but with the Washington Nationals. James Wood, so far this year, he's in high A with them, which which is where he was with the Padres organization. He was with Lake Elsinore. Um, he is their number one prospect, so he's just above Robert Hassler third, which I believe is what was uh, with the Padres, too. I think Wood was ranked higher than Hassel just a little bit. Wood expected arrival time 2025. He is only 20 years old, but he he's huge. Um, 871 OPS so far this year. Five bombs, 29 runs driven in. I think like he he's someone like he he plays center field too. He was playing center field with in the Padres organization too. So he's an athletic guy. And man, there was that one home run that he hit for Lake Elsinore last year. That was absolutely smashed. I think it was an oppo home run. It was absolutely smashed. 
And it's like, man, this guy's, was he 19 at the time? This guy's only 19. This guy's 20 now. I mean, I was really looking forward to seeing James Wood. But again, we have Juan Soto. Like, I still believe in, in Juan freaking Soto. So I'm not going to complain. Like, it's hard for me to sit here and complain about this trade right now because there's still time left for this to turn around. Like, he, Soto, I think we can agree he's been a disappointment so far, but there's time for this to turn around. He can still help the Padres go win the World Series, you know. I, I, I still smile just thinking that Soto is on the San Diego Padres still. Um, so, yeah, it's, it stinks that these guys aren't in the organization, but we have Juan Soto on the team. And if things don't work out, then, yeah, that, that's going to suck. But at least they went all out for it, you know. That's kind of my view on this. Like, I, I love that Peter Seidler, A.J. Color, the Padres, they were going all out. They're going all out for this or all in, however you want to say it. And I respect that. I love that as a San Diego sports fan. You know, my parents love that, obviously. The older people that are in the chat or listening to this or watching this, I'm sure you appreciate it because you guys have been through more than I have. And I've, I've been through a lot of losing seasons and probably double that, triple that for some of you. So hopefully you guys appreciate that as well. Like the Padres really going all in for these next couple years with Juan Soto guaranteed to be in a San Diego Padres uniform. Um, your own Susanna. So he's 19. He was that last prospect included six starts so far this year, four, one, two ERA, 25 strikeouts, 17 walks. So he probably wants to have the walks down. This is a guy that I'm, a, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know a ton about him, but he was certainly talked about um, among those that, followed the Padres farm system and this was a, a guy that the Nationals definitely wanted you know wasn't Adrian Morhone being thrown around in some of these trade talks if maybe if Susanna wasn't going to be included or maybe if Gore and I think Gore was always going to be included so maybe it was Susanna who if he wasn't going to be included then it was going to be Morhone uh, but I, I think the Nationals were like no we more home, you know, his injury history. Like we, we want this young guy. You want to get this deal done? Let's give us this young guy, and they got him. So we'll see what he develops into. But so, so far, I think there's some positives from what the you know, looking at it from the Nationals' point of view. I think there's some positives from what they have received back. I think there's still promise with Hassel and Wood and Susanna and Abrams. There's been some struggles, but the, the Nationals, excuse me, they're a team where he's allowed to struggle at the big league level. There's not like these huge expectations on him, like let's say if he was with the San Diego Padres and he was starting every day, you know? And then Mackenzie Gore, he's going to have time to develop as well because he's playing on the Washington Nationals. So maybe this is good for him because, he'll again, he has that room for air at the big league level and really finding it out. And he's had success this year with the Nationals. Um, Josiah Gray has also had success, not Padres. He's not a former Padre, but he's had success as well. So the Nats, they have some young talent there. That's part of the positives of being a bad team is you, you do have the, the room for air for your young guys. Like they can deal with the struggle, the adversity at the big league level instead of 
being you know, sent down to AAA or AA or whatever, not being allowed to struggle at the big league level because you have so much pressure on you to win, right? So wishing well for all of the guys that were included in the deal. If I had to rank, like, again, the suck meter, uh, how much how much it sucked for uh, myself, at least personally, to lose these guys last year in this trade, I'd probably go Gore one, even over Wood, just because I knew what Gore, like I'd seen him play a lot, at the pitch a lot at the big league level. Not years and years and years, but I was really excited about him being in this rotation. Like first round pick, all that, I was really excited about him, so that sucked. Um, after that, I'd probably go Wood and then Hassel. And then Abram, Susanna. Like, I, I just don't know a whole lot about Susanna, to be honest. So that's why he's down there at the five. Voight, Voight sucked just personality-wise, but I'm talking about, like, the younger guys that they traded here. Um, I go Wood over Hassel just because of, like, man, he he has, like, that. I don't know. Is Aaron Judge even fair? Maybe not Aaron Judge physique, but, like, he's just huge and he's not a righty like judge but like the athleticism he, he's just super intriguing i would have been super interested in seeing how he was going to develop with the padres and what he was going to turn into and i'm gonna obviously be watching him with the nationals whenever he comes up because i, I have a feeling he's going to be one of the best outfielders in baseball um, as he develops so, yeah, that, that's just a look back, a little bit, brief look back so far on how the Nationals players have done since that trade. Uh, again, who has won the deal so far? The Nationals would probably say them because the Padres don't have the World Series. They already won one with Soto. They have all this young talent, right? They don't have to give Soto $440 million, right? Like, they'd probably say that they have won. Uh, but the Padres would say, well, the verdict is not out. Like it's it's not done yet. We don't know who's actually won this deal because Soto is still with the San Diego Padres and he's still on that hunt for the World Series with the Padres. If the Padres they have Soto walk and they don't win a World Series with him, then the Nationals will have won the deal. I think because look, the Padres they made this trade to win the World Series. Like that was that. Not to get there or to get to the NLCS. No, they did it to win the World Series. You give up all of that talent, like your feet, your whole future. Uh, I know they have Ethan Salas now, but you don't give up all of that to just go to the NLCS and be fine with that. You know, so we'll see. We'll see who ends up winning this deal. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, again, Tuesday, so tomorrow, Darvish against Gore. That's going to be an interesting pitching matchup. Wednesday, Ryan Weathers against Trevor Williams. Weathers might, I think he was originally going to start Tuesday against Gore. So that would have been interesting, obviously two former top prospects for the Padres, but they wanted Darvish to pitch at Yankee stadium. So they're just have, they're putting him in there for Tuesday. Uh, Weathers against Trevor Williams, 405. That is on Wednesday, Trevor Williams from San Diego. Uh, I believe his parents have season tickets like right behind the plate. Like you can see, his dad, I think, wearing national stuff when the Nationals not even playing. So if you wonder why, well, there you go, because his son plays for the Nationals. 
And then Thursday, Snell against Jake Irvin. I initially thought that was Cole Irvin. I think he's a uh, – is he on the A's? I think. But Jake Irvin. Never heard of that guy, but uh, that's the pitching matchup on Thursday. And then, obviously, the three games at Yankee Stadium. Who's pitching that for the Padres? It would be, what, Waka, Musgrove, Darvish, I think. Yeah. Can't wait for that Yankee series, too. And we'll see if Manny comes back by that time. Who knows? All right. I'm going to get to the chat here. But let's take a quick break. Check out Gaglione Bros Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. Retod says, hopefully it'll be a win, win trade, a win-win trade, excuse me, when it's all said and done. Losing Mackenzie Gore still hurts, though. Yeah. Yep. That hurts. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing him pitch for a while in a Padre uniform, but again, we have Juan Soto. And I was super pumped up when he got when we got Juan. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. CBS 121 prediction tomorrow, Washington 5, Padres 0. That would be disappointing if that were the case. To not score any runs off the guy you traded for Juan Soto for to not do any damage against him, that would suck. I know Gore's talented, but you really want this offense to take that Sunday win and really start something. I, I know they went one for 10 with runners in scoring position, but they still won seven, nothing like take that and keep going. I'm not a believer in momentum really in baseball, but maybe the players in that clubhouse are. So if they get shut out like that tomorrow or they lose tomorrow, then it's going to be like, well, what was that win on Sunday really meant? Like, Okay, Waka pitch well, and you got lucky because you faced Corey Kluber, who's past his prime, and Red Sox fans don't even want him starting games anymore for them. You know, that was just one win. What, they're 3-11, and I think, in their last 14 games? So it's time to start actually turning this around, not having a win every few days, every five days or whatever, and saying, maybe this will turn it around. No, like, actually take it and do something with it. Because let's say they have a bad road trip. They go like three and six, and that would wow, that would be bad. Especially when you're paying you're playing Miami and Washington for six of those nine games. You go like three and six. Now you find yourself what eight games under five hundred? Or you go four and five, now you're six games under five hundred, or you go um what would that be? Well, no. Yeah, four and five. Um yeah, that, that would not be great. Hopefully they can go like six and three, you know, win these series. Maybe if you can't win the Yankee series, sweep a national sweep the nationals and then take two. Or no, if you yeah, sweep the nationals, take a game in New York, that's four. And then win that Miami series six and three. I would take that because that would in, that would improve the Padres to what? Let's see here. If they took six of the game twenty six and twenty eight, so two games under, you know, you start climbing out of the hole there, right?
Jay says, I also started small us fa USA fan when the Padres made the World Series versus the Yankees. Oh, oh, I think he's saying I also started small as a fan when the Padres made it to the World Series in 98. Yeah. Yeah, I was not alive for that one. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that first World Series. They, they tasted it last year. They were close. Irie says, if Soto doesn't sign an extension, then we should deal him next year for a good rental piece next year's deadline. I, I don't think I don't see the Padres doing that. I see your thought on that, like rebuild the farm, you'd get good pieces back. But when you go all in for Juan Soto like this, like don't you want Juan Soto to be on the team next year? I get looking out for the future, but like Peter Seidler, I think he's made it pretty clear through his actions, him and Preller. They're, Preller's looking out for the future as well, but like Seidler, the money he has spent, like it's clear he's looking out for right now, <laughs> and, you know, next year, maybe the year after that. Like he's looking out for now. He's trying to win right now. So I don't see Seidler really being like, yeah, let's trade Soto just because he hasn't signed an extension. And maybe what they want to do is they say, you know what? Well, let's go sign Otani. And I know it's not a guarantee that Otani would want to come here. I'm just saying, like, maybe they sign Otani because they don't have an extension to Lesoto. And they just say, you know what? Let's try it. Let's super team this thing. I know it's technically already one, but let's super team this thing and go one year and see what the heck happens with Soto, Otani, Tatis, Bogarts, and Manny as the top five in the order. And you have Cronoworth in there. You obviously have the rotation. Who knows if they, I mean, I wouldn't think they'd bring back Hader if they sign Otani, uh, but they, they still have a solid bullpen, I would imagine, and hopefully a solid rotation, and you just see what happens. Your rotation would improve with Otani, obviously, because he does both. Um, maybe they just do that. But I don't see the Padres trading Soto. I don't even think that's, maybe the front office is thinking about it because they have to to, like, do their job, like, in case Soto gets pissed off here or something, uh, or something goes really wrong. But I don't even think that's even really in their thought process right now. Definitely not Peter Seidler. Like, he's trying to go all in. Like, he's already demonstrated that with his thoughts, or with, with his spending habits and his thoughts, like what he's told the media. CBS121 says, 2023 Padres are A.J. Preller's Frankenstein. I don't really know what that means, but 77 and 85 final record. Well, I'll bet you 50. There's I already have a couple already going. Matt, I think JD's third did it, did it too, right? What did you say yesterday, JD's third, that the you thought the Padres were going to finish with a losing record? And you said, yeah, let's do it. So that's a free 50 bucks for me. And CBS 121 thinking that they're going to finish eight games under 500. I mean, I totally disagree with that. If that that happens, I mean. Sidler's probably going to have to think long and hard about Preller, I would say, right? 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, Preston, that would have been a cool matchup, seeing Weathers pitch against Mackenzie Gore tomorrow. But I'm fine with having Darvish pitch, that's for sure. let's go win this game tomorrow. You know, let's make this two in a row. Let's not, again, like I said earlier, let's not do a one-off where you, you won that game on Sunday and you go back to losing four or five in a row, right? Or or three in a row, whatever. Like, no, you're playing the Washington freaking nationals, right? You already had that bad series against the Royals. Don't not, don't have another bad series against the team. That is not a good team. You know, the Nats are playing hard. You know, their record's not terrible compared to some other teams that are rebuilding. But this Padres team should wipe the floor with the Nationals, at least on paper, right, going into the year. Now, on paper right now, I mean, the teams are probably a little more even. Uh, but you got to win this series. Stop. You can't have another Kansas City Royal Series performance, right? I'll get to the rest of the chat after this. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross team, cross league, and even cross sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, Or, if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS 
and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, I'll be back with my, obviously, underdog fantasy selections tomorrow for my pregame thoughts. If if you're new to this YouTube channel, you're just listening on the podcast platforms, I would encourage you to, to subscribe to this YouTube channel and turn on those notifications so you don't miss when I go live, so you can participate in these chats. And uh, you can come on the show if you want to. Obviously, click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat uh, whenever I am live. And... That notifies you when pregame thoughts, postgame reactions are out. And if you're new to the pregame thoughts, every day I will have an underdog selection that I think will hit for you. CBS121 says, too many holes on this team. Kim, Grisham, Cronenworth, Odor, Cruz, Carpenter, Bogarts lately. Soto is suspect. Only one who is really good is Tatis. And Tatis, I I mean, he got off to a hot start right at the plate. I think he's been a little bit colder, right? Um, Yeah, Kim, for the most part, seems like a hole. Grisham's a hole. Cronort this year, unfortunately, seems like he's been a hole. Odor, you know, cool. Good game on on Sunday, but I don't expect really anything from him. Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter, I think you'd want a little bit more from. Bogart, you want more from, especially lately. You know, he had a really good start to the year, but Maybe there's some wrist issues there. Don't know a whole lot about that. But bottom line is he probably expects more of himself too. Like he just has to be better as a guy who's hitting at the top of that lineup for the Padres. Soto got to turn it around consistently. Um, And then Manny, when he comes back as well, he's got to be better because unfortunately he has been performing this year offensively well below his career averages. So going into this year, like there were some holes on this team, but you thought that the, maybe those holes could be covered a little bit by like, the superstars playing really well. And the superstars have not played really well collectively as a group consistently this year. Irish says, Jack Sparrow, Trent Grisham package deal for a decent outfielder. Move Nando to center. He's the next Griffey Jr. Anyways, LOL. Oh, man. I don't think I'm trading Jackson Merrill for just a decent outfielder. What's a decent outfielder? Max Kepler? I don't want to trade Jackson Merrill for a decent outfielder. I trade Jackson Merrill for an all-star caliber outfielder. That's what you do. And is there an out is there an all-star outfielder that's available on the market? Is that going to happen? this before this trade deadline like Brian Reynolds signed that extension who who is out there on the mark or who do you think is going to be out there on the trade market that's going to be like this all-star outfielder and I think it's kind of interesting right like going into the year we were thinking all right before the deadline maybe they trade for like Corbin Burns or something right like starting pitching Starting pitching hasn't been great as of late. You know, Walk has been really good. Has had a really good month of May. Right now, we think he's on track to be the National League Pitcher of the Month for the month of May. ERA is like under one. Hasn't allowed a run in his last two outings. Um, but like the starting pitching, 
for the most part this year, I think it's been okay. The offense obviously has been the issue. And so now we go from thinking about the starting pitching, like let's trade for starting pitching before the deadline, like an ace to let's get that. Let's get an impact outfield bat. And where is that? Where is that this year? I'm not so sure where that is, you know, on, on the, the trade market. There's no one, unless there's someone I'm just totally blanking on. There's no one out there that I'm like, yeah, I'll trade Jackson Merrill for that guy. And I'm seeing Kepler in there, but he's not an all-star outfielder to me. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing any. Let's look up free agents, MLB free agents for next year. Like, cause I'm just thinking maybe someone on an expiring contract, if the Padres do want to go in that direction and go get an outfielder outfield 2024 free agent. Let's see here. See, I'm seeing Jock Peterson, Charlie Blackman, A.J. Pollock, Teoscar Hernandez, but he's on a contender, Michael Brantley. I think he's been hurt to start this year. Hunter Renfro, want to reunion with him if the Angels aren't going to be in it, even though they're, they are in it right now so far. There's some other guys that are on contenders. Kevin Kiermeyer. You know, Profar? Do you, want, you want to trade for Profar? <laughs> um Adam Duvall's hurt. Dave Peralta's already with the Dodgers. Andrew McCutcheon, you want to trade for Andrew McCutcheon? I don't know if the Pirates want to do that because they signed McCutcheon to be like that veteran guy and that feel-good story, end his career with the Pirates. So I'm just not seeing a whole lot there, especially guys like, you know, trading Jackson Merrill. Like, no, that's not happening. All right, I think that's it from the chat. All right, so that was just my Padres discussion for the night, obviously, on an off day, or if you're listening or watching this before the Padres take on the Nationals. Just looking back on that Juan Soto trade. Now I want to get to this conversation that I just had, actually, before coming on here with Tony Sanchez, who is a co-host for Two Balls and a Mic, talking about San Diego soccer. So here is that conversation i'm going to load that up for you here it is all right welcoming on into the show tony sanchez he is a co-host for two balls and a mic a soccer san diego podcast uh you can get that on youtube podcast platforms a really good uh outlet for san diego soccer fans tony thank you so much for joining the show no, I appreciate the invite. And uh, I mean, you, we love seeing good soccer coverage. That's what we're we're doing here. And uh, we love seeing great baseball coverage at the pod. So you're doing a great job on your end, too. So let, let's keep representing San Diego that way. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's just start off with this new MLS club. Just your first impressions overall. What do you think so far about just how this new MLS group has gone about things coming in and trying to you know, get into that community right out of the gate. 
So obviously we've already seen uh, two professional teams before the MLS group come in with soccer and try to start something new, right? The San Diego Loyal did it a couple of years ago, then the San Diego Wave. And it seems like they are kind of trying to marry those two. Obviously the MLS is such a big entity. Um, it really is mom, pa versus Walmart at times. There's nothing you can do about that, right? San Diego Loyal have been here and have made their mark, have made... Uh, have done everything possible to uh, connect with the community. And yeah, there's been some uh, some times where the community disagreed with what San Diego Loyal did, but eventually it's that family aspect that uh, always pers uh, perseveres. And with the MLS, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how they try to replicate that or if they try to include it, right? Uh, by included, I mean the San Diego Loyal, but there's still a lot of time left. There's still discussions to be had. Uh, the group uh, with the Sequan Band of the Kumeyaay Nation, I mean, how much more local do you want it to be, right? They've been here for 12,000 years. The owner, Mohammed Mansour, an Egyptian gentleman, uh, made the joke at the press conference that we attended over on last Thursday of, I thought I knew ancient people because I'm from Egypt, right? But you mm -hmm. guys have been here for 12,000 years. So um, that aspect has been, has been done really well. There was a let's kick it party last Saturday. And uh, it was a great turnout. And then it's one of those days where it's an event that's going to be going up against or you're going to have to choose a little bit with your time, what you spend your time with. San Diego Loyal played at 4. The San Diego Wave played at 5.30. Those two away games had watch parties, great turnouts. But then you also had this event at Snapdragon that drew thousands as well. So, I mean, I, I do think that there is, if there's anywhere where this is going to work in the States, it's in San Diego. Um, and I do think that the San, the San Diego soccer community is the one that should be respected and will be respected because there is a lot to offer. And much like baseball, right? We've heard terms of like, it's a, it's a hotbed of, of talent, the yeah. talent lava a couple of years ago. Right. And I, I can honestly say combined it with the Tijuana uh, flavor and aspect of, of the game with San Diego and how well they do it here as well. Uh, I think San Diego is, is pretty much going to be that center of u.s soccer development for years to come yeah for sure were you surprised going going to mls and the loyal here like were you surprised by this new ownership group not including the san diego loyal i mean there's still time to do it but it looks like you know the loyal they're not going to be involved in this was i surprised no uh just because that has been something that the mls has done in the past as far as going into a market that has a team in the same league as the loyal, the USL championship. Uh, there is no relegation promotion, which means that uh, there's no one string that ties all the leagues together. Uh, they're separate entities. So um, it's been done where they've, the MLS has absorbed the local MLS team very few times, but then at the same time, St. Louis is a great example. There's a vibrant community of soccer fans that have been building this family together. Uh, and then, out of nowhere comes MLS and just excludes them. That kind of feels um, not as good for that uh, fan base that has been there for a while. And uh, that may be what's happening here, right? I mean, 6,000 people uh, pack Torero uh, at any given time. They sell that place out, uh, especially when they're playing well. And so, I mean, I know in a 33,000 seater like Snapdragon, it might not seem like much, Um but ultimately, that's still something that's uh, – it's a community that's been embraced, right? The soccer community has been embraced by the loyal. So I think it would be beneficial um, for them to, 
include him in some way? Do we want him just to be like, oh, well, we'll buy this entity and guess what? The supporter section, we'll just call it the loyal, right? Like mm-hmm. something cheap like that almost. But um, I know uh, <laughs> with my sources that the talks are ongoing and uh, it seems like the MLS club is doing some listening sessions. They did in Chula Vista. They went up the coast. They went to El Cajon. And from what I'm hearing is that they're starting to realize that it might not be as easy as it may seem. Does that mean that they're going to consider the loyal a little bit more? Perhaps, but they can always just turn the other way and with their resources, just chug along. And I mean, we saw a great turnout of Snapdragon. And one thing that I'll say is that much like the Padres have done, uh, They've embraced the Latino community, the Mexican community, the local community, the Spanish speaking community so well here. I mean, before going to Mexico, right? Like there was already that 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 flavor, that that spice to 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 say in a way. Um, but I, I think that this MLS team has that potential as well to bring people together. And ultimately, if they bring everybody together, it's gonna make more money for them. So why why wouldn't you want that to happen, right? It just bring right. everybody along. So um it's a long-winded answer to say, like, I hope it works out. Yeah, yeah. And with the loyal, so when you're talking about, you know, ongoing discussions, like, how would the loyal be involved with this MLS club? Like, how would that work exactly? So, I mean, that's that's what, you know, everybody signs those those contracts, those do not talk contracts, or else you get sued, right? So right. Um, it, it's those it's discussions that honestly sometimes – can lead anywhere from like, well, we'll just absorb the brand, we'll absorb this, we'll absorb the resources, the players, not so much. Cause again, you're talking about, you know, uh, maybe a triple A team when, and a lot of people who are coming into the major league, right? Like you still have that talent disparity where you're as much as you love them, they might not be talented or good enough to play against the MLS competition. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of positives, and I think it's a more of a matter of sharing resources mm-hmm. and sharing information with what's been here and really know the pulse of the city of San Diego when it comes to soccer and that sport. And it, it, it'd be beneficial, not necessarily just in, in the monetary sense, but just in the sense that you kind of captured the soul of the city. The hardcore soccer fans know who San Diego Loyal is. All the people who are like, ah, Scott, second division, this and this and this. Did you ever really give them a chance? Did you really ever pay attention? No. And that's fair. That's 100% fair. But that fervor is is there with San Diego Loyal where like the hardcore, hardcore soccer aficionados in the the city like the product or at least engage with it. So it just makes sense to bring it over. And so as far as like, will it come over? Will you get everybody on the team? Probably not. Front, Front office, probably not. But they do have one aspect of Landon Donovan. It's the guy who's the MVP for the MLS is uh, named after. So, you know, there's 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 certain things and certain resources that can be used and 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 it could be beneficial for everybody in the city. But I mean, it, it's it's going to be tough. I am just glad I'm not in those rooms. I'm not <laughs> making those decisions. I just report on them and and hope for the best after. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, what do you so what do you see San Diego FC, which is what they're they're going by right now. What do you see them doing over the next couple of months? Is it, it's a lot of community stuff, you know, just getting them out there, asking questions, stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, they are having listening sessions uh, and you know, those potentially are exactly listening to the community. What do you want the name to be called? What do you want the colors? I know there's been meetings with different supporter groups uh, around the city that support uh, 
Premier League teams, Chelsea teams, Liverpool supporters group, Manchester United supporters group, where they'll show them, hey, what about this color? You know, there's rumors around that. Say that San Diego's flag, the Saquon flag, uh, as well as Egypt's flag might be a combination of it. Uh, the owner, Mohamed Mansour, said that he's a Manchester United fan. Those colors are red and black typically. So um, a lot of listening as far as what the people may want. And here's the thing. Will they actually listen? And what are they listening for? That's what I asked the CEO, Tom Penn, about as far as what exactly do you guys want to hear? Because if you have everything already planned, then there's no need for these faux uh right. you know meetings and just giving everybody uh hope that this might be called something else right even down to the name sdfc what does the fc stand for or where's the fc going to go is it going mm -hmm. to be fcsd and then even then like the debate well is it soccer club or football club seems like it's going to be football club but what a what a smarter way the wave did it than being called san diego football f-u-t-b-o-l the Spanish version, Football Club, San Diego, San Diego Football Club. Uh, you appeal to a to a market that honestly hasn't necessarily turned out for either the wave or the loyal in the masses that, you know, I see here in the South Bay, man. I, I'm not sure where, where you're at, but here in the South Bay, like I see it in, in parks. I see it in 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 the streets. They, they will hop over fences. I'll include myself in that when I used to be able to hop over fences uh, and just play in the weekends, right? Like that's that's uh -huh. where the sport really lives here in San Diego. Yeah, let's get to the loyal just for their their season right now. Like for those that don't follow the team, you know, super closely, just give your overall thoughts on how it's going so far. Obviously, getting a win this past weekend. So it's been a it's been a roller coaster. They came out with uh, losing their two top strikers last season. So the big question was, where are the goals going to come from? Right, if these were your two production players and they're no, they're no longer here, who's going to step up? Who are you going to go out and get? There were a lot of questions. It was answered in the form of Evan Conway. Uh, mm -hmm. Evan Conway from uh, Wisconsin. Uh, he is one of those players that's come from the ranks from, you know, the lower leagues and worked his way all the way up to here in the USL Championship. And overall, I think that it's been uh, a good season so far. A lot of, uh, let's say, uh, people look at, you know, look at soccer in a way where it's like, well, if you lose one, you're out of title contention. No, here in the U.S. we have playoffs, right? And so knowing knowing you know a sport so well where there's over 160 games per season, you realize that, you know what, one loss might not be the worst thing ever, right? You go right. away and you tie, you get one point, that's a net positive. Um, there have been games where they've looked absolutely terrible, atrocious. They look like there's no effort at that, at that time. And at other times they look like world beaters. So um, it's been a mix of that. Throw in some injuries, throw in some. Um, this is official from Nate Miller, the head coach of San Diego Loyal. San Diego Loyal is the most traveled and will be the most traveled soccer team in the world because how big the continental United States is. Other other teams in Europe, right? Europe's small, like mm -hmm. relatively small when it comes to it. So uh, that has to play a factor, right? So, so last week they played in Miami this next upcoming week they're coming back and playing over in oakland yep. then they gotta go once again into the middle of the country to san antonio so back to back to back away games um you know it's it's very hard to get practices and trainings in for them so it's it's going to be interesting to see how well they do going into the summer there's going to be a lot of games in the summer uh for people to go and enjoy so if, if you honestly haven't been to a san diego loyal game or want to see what the san diego soccer 
fandom is all about, go go check them out, right? MLS will be here, but there is no team in Snapdragon for at least 18 months. The ball will not roll for MLS. There is a team here, San Diego Wave, San Diego Loyal. And if you're a little bit a fan of the uh, up-and-coming academy type system, you got some friends on there, San Diego Albion, another professional team, but... Ultimately, San Diego Loyal is is an exciting is an exciting team, and I, I would highly recommend just going over to Torero Stadium. It's a cozy place, uh, and ch- check out check out the product. It's really as close as you can get, and again, it's very homey. You're not going to get this with the MLS because you're in a giant coliseum with 33 plus other fans or MTCs. However, San Diego may do at that time. Right. Yeah, but- and with the Loyal, I mean, you can even see for those that watch some of the games on television uh, at Torero, like, yeah, it's a great environment. Like you, it definitely comes through the television screen, moving over to the San Diego wave again, it's kind of same question, just your overall thoughts so far on this season. Obviously there was those couple games there against Orlando and Washington where the defense wasn't spectacular. Uh, Trinity Rodman's a big reason why in the Washington match, obviously, but it wasn't spectacular, but they've definitely turned that around and had a really good win, I thought, this past weekend against Houston. Absolutely. So the, the San Diego Wave is an interesting just entity. It's part of the NWSL team uh, league with 12 teams, so there's a lot of rep- repetition with um, matchups, so you can get a lot of different uh, results playing the same team uh, in, the, in the regular season. Uh, for San Diego Wave, it's going to be interesting because – Unlike necessarily the loyal, the San Diego Wave has players that are the best in the world. Yep. Like, period. Like, that's it. Like, there's no contentions. Alex Morgan, one of the best in the world. Uh, Naomi Gurma, a defender, a rookie last year, one of the best in the world, a phenom uh, on the pitch. Casey Stoney is, if you just watch her sitting on her cooler as the coach and giving instructions and, and tearing into <laughs> her players, like, that's worth the price of admission. Like, it's one of the, one of the things where it's hopefully not going to, be looked over maybe like the San Diego Soccers have been for years. Look, man, San Diego doesn't have a lot of championships, but the San Diego Soccers are a professional team with 16 titles. Make that as you will, right? Uh, but the San Diego Wave uh, have a unique problem of having really good players. There's a lot of tournaments with the U.S. women's national team that need Alex Morgan, that need Kalen Sheridan over in Canada, that need their players in the World Cup coming up. They have to figure out a way to get all of these new players in. Uh, there's a, a player who's just scored this last weekend who came on our podcast, uh, Sierra Angie, who scored her first first NWSL goal. And yeah. so you just kind of see those cool progressions of stories. And the the women's game is uh, in, in a lot of sense like the WNBA where it's uh, very fundamental. However, you see that the game in college isn't that different from the game in uh, in the professional setting. So if you are really good in college, you'll probably re- be really good out the gate in NWSL. So you see a lot of young stars. You see a lot of, uh, again, just phenoms and revelations. Melanie Marcenas, a 15-year-old where people lost their mind. Like, I had to explain to so many people that, no, 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 it's it's the soccer. Like, it's okay. Like, they're, they're 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds playing, like, yeah, like that's fine. Like they get, they need those minutes. They're just that good. Uh, so, I mean, you have that. You have Jaden Shaw also on there, who's incredibly young, just ripping and tearing defenses in the league. So, um, again, it's it's a really good product when you go it over. And again, if you want to kind of get your mind into what this MLS thing and project's going to be, go watch a wave game because those are those are really good times out there. And then you'll meet some really good people and you'll have a really good time. I mean, 
selfishly as a soccer fan, like, yeah, I, I get to say that, right? I started this podcast to go watch the 2026 World Cup for free as, as, and as with for press pass with my friend Alejandro Chio Villasenor. So it's been working out. And honestly, I, I love, you know, being a part of local San Diego professional sports in that sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, going to the, we talk about the World Cup, Women's World Cup, obviously, later this year. Who do you see from the wave specifically with the U.S. women's national team? We know like Jakobsen and Sheridan, like there are other players that will represent other countries. But for the U.S. side, who would you say is going to make this U.S. women's national team? For me, it's Morgan, obviously. It's Gurma. Love watching her play. And I think Korniak does have an advantage with the size, but she just came back. So who knows what happens there? Yeah, I think you touched on the, the top three prospects to have representation uh, from San Diego. That's, that's how I love to see it, right? Like they're representing San Diego in the World Cup. That's always cool to see a cool little stat. Um, but yeah, Korniak is just coming back. Like she's such an interesting player where uh, she's incredibly tall and incredibly powerful, really strong, but also very smart with her passes and, and has a good vision. Um, and, you know, can really command a midfield where if there's anything in the air, just put her there and she'll just give a little hop and give you a, a pass to go. So uh, one of the patents of, of wave is Sheridan goal kick to Korniak in the middle. She flicks mm-hmm. it over Jaden Shaw or Jakobson come over the top, shoot it or cross it goal. Um, but as far as the, the women's national team, there's a lot of talent that's coming from, from, uh, from other teams. And honestly, just, just again, in the way, same way where wave is, the best thing you'll see in the world soccer wise here in San Diego. Some of these teams that are coming in are just as good. And if not better, right. Obviously we know Alex Morgan, we know uh, Sheridan's names. We know uh, Abby Dalkemper, who's always uh, obviously coming back from injury soon here. Um, but overall it's, it's a team that I, I think that will be well represented in the world cup. And we'll see if that means uh, losses and not a strong side for San Diego wave. And that's going to be up for the coach to coach this team through these difficult times because, you know what, you need to make sure that it's next next player up. And for the most part, it looks like they have that squad uh, ready to go, even without their big stars. Yeah, I, I like the depth that's on this club right now, to be honest. I mean, they, they face some challenges, but Shaw will still be there. She Maybe the next World Cup she'll be on that roster because she's really talented. Uh, but obviously, she, there, there's just so much talent, you know, at the forward positions for the U.S. Women's National Team this time around. Um, the, the Waves' chances at winning the entire thing this year, how would you put, where would you put those chances? Because for me, like they're they're one of those top teams. I mean, Portland, obviously, I think you got to put at one. Uh, but then Washington or Gotham, like those are some teams that have gotten off to good starts, OL rain. Like those are the teams that I think are going to be fighting for it. Yeah. They have a really good chance, especially how far they made it as a inaugural team last season. Right. Like we look at uh, other sports and look at the golden Knights for Las Vegas and they won it very early on in their season. And that's amazing. Way we're on that track, but it was just a very, very new team this season. I do think that they have a chance to bring up that chemistry uh, and have just a, set play style where they know how to uh, control the match. They know how to move in transition. They know how to make those plays that uh, regardless of who you're playing, it's going to work, um, but also have the freedom to be able to be dynamic and just have that freedom to 
you know what, if I need to take two or three players on, I'm going to take two, three players on and, and ignore the tactics at this point. There's that talent there. So um, what San Diego Wave have struggled with is essentially um, just the mistakes, cleaning up those mistakes. And we saw that last season. And if they do that, and they are very well coached, Casey Stoney is one of the best coaches in the world, uh, in the women's game and just in general as well, coming over from Manchester United. Um, and I think that if they were able to just keep their head in the game and just be able to maintain uh, that play style that they've been able to build up in that chemistry, it'll be fine. But again, you have that big question mark of the women's world cup. Will there be injuries? Will, will, will there be, uh, you know, players come back and don't necessarily mold with what's being built already. Right. Because if you have those uh, backup players who are coming in and stepping up, they're going to form a bond. They're going to form a dynamic with themselves. And if you try to fit in a square peg in a round hole, it's just not going to work. And that can, you know, potentially throw a torpedo into the the hopes for a championship uh, squad because you need to play your best if you're going to beat the best in the NWSL. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, a lot of topics uh, covered here. Again, Tony, host, co-host, two balls and a mic. Let me know or let the audience know where they can find all your stuff. 100%. I really appreciate you uh, giving us some time here. And uh, you can find uh, anything that we do at two balls and a mic. That's it. Number two, B-A-L-L-S-A-N-D-M-I-C. Uh, you can also go to our new website. It's called San Diego dot football. Uh, that's San Diego spelled out dot F-U-T-B-O-L uh, instead of dot com dot football. Go figure that was available. Actually, <laughs> just a, a, a quick little thing here. Um one of the MLS executives came up to me and was like, yeah, we were looking up and we noticed that you guys were, were, were coming up in the scene here in soccer and you guys cover it very well. And then trying to figure out what the website should be for us. I, I thought this is a great idea. Oh, San Diego dot football. Great. He typed it in and boom, he sees us again. Like, Man, <laughs> these guys are everywhere. Like, so we're, we're trying to do our best, honestly, and uh, represent the sport that, that we like. And, you know, if it's, uh, we want it to be represented and we don't want the people to to get taken advantage of we don't want our city to be taken advantage of embrace the people that are here i mean the padres have done a fantastic job especially with the redesign going back to the brown and gold and and just those little things that really do matter for for us san diegans and i mean it's a it's a professional team for the mls is coming in and they're going to represent the city so we got we got to cheer them on right that's for sure that's for sure all right Thank you so much, Tony, for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there you go. So thank you so much again for Tony for coming on the show. Uh, a lot of discussion there about just San Diego soccer, the state of San Diego soccer, the loyal, the wave. Uh, so great conversation there. Uh, getting back to the Padres here to close out this show. Obviously, I see some thoughts in the chat about AJ Preller and Seidler and potential trades and all that. Some saying trade Soto, get some prospects back. Some thinking, you know, trade Grisham or Kim. I see someone saying Cronoworth. I'm like, all right, well, that, that's, a, I think that's a stretch. Um, Grish, I think he's going to have to build up his value if, if, if you're going to get something significant back for him. I would say, and Soto, I, I don't even think the Padres are thinking about trading Juan Soto because it's Juan Soto. Like they know that he is one of the best talented. He's the most, one of the most talented hitters on the planet. And so 
you want that guy on your roster as you're making that postseason push. And they traded a ton for him. They traded like almost their entire future for him. So they're not just going to give up on him. They want him a part of this team for these next couple pennant races. Sidler went all in. Preller went all in here, right? You want to see that out and have that chance. And I think the Padres think they're a better team with Juan Soto on it than with whoever they get back in a deal for Soto. Um, but obviously, a lot of trade discussions will happen in the in the months leading up to the trade deadline. Tomorrow, Padres, Nationals, Mackenzie Gore on the mound for the Nats, you Darvish on the mound for the Padres. And then on Wednesday, it'll be Weathers against Williams. Thursday, Snell against Jake Irvin before the New York Yankees series this coming weekend. Pre-game thoughts, post-game reactions, as always, on this YouTube channel. Thank you, everyone, so much for the time tonight. Talking Friars episode 402. Ben Fadden signing off. Everyone, have a great night. And I'll talk to you all on the next show. See you then. <laughs>